This episode of the Zero Cafe podcast is made possible by our partners, Online Influence Institute and VWO. Today I'm talking to Rishi Rawat, product page optimization specialist at Frictionless Commerce. And we're talking about how you can improve your bestseller sales by 20% in just 90 days. In case you missed the previous episode, last time I spoke with Jeremy Horowitz and we spoke about using SMS for e-commerce. And you can listen to that episode on www.zero.cafe or in the podcast that you're listening with right now. Welcome to Season 3, Episode 13. Welcome to the Zero Cafe podcast. And first off, of course, uh, we would love to know uh, who you are and uh, what you're working on. Yeah, thank you for having me. This is so this is so exciting for me. My name is Rishi and I've been interested, fascinated by marketing for, I would say, the last 20, 30 years. But I've had my own agency for the last 12 years. And what we do essentially is we work only on one page per client. And that typically the client picks their bestseller page and we focus on improving that bestseller page conversion rates by 20% in 90 days. Nice. And uh, so so what's your background? How did you uh, end up doing this? Yeah, so I I should say a real quick story because I think this is the origin story, which is that I was in a retail store and I noticed I was at a very unique angle where I could look to the right-hand side and I could see on one of the aisles, there was a customer and they were... I could see them struggling to purchase a product and they were looking at it. They lifted it up, they put it back down, they walked away, they came back to it, they lifted it up again. And on the left-hand side, I could see the store owner sitting at the cash register and he was completely oblivious of this struggle that was going on. And I thought to myself, this is such an interesting dilemma. This consumer is really struggling. The store owner could have helped them right away, but they don't even know that they're struggling. And the consumer didn't walk up to the store register and say, hey, I'm, can you help me out? And I was thinking like at the end of the day, when the store owner calculates his profits and losses, he's going to make a calculation based on the cash register and only the cash register. And all of this struggle that's happening, this pre-sales data that's happening is completely being lost. Now, this is before the e-commerce era, or at least before e-commerce became a big thing. That is my earliest memory of this phenomena. And then I, you know, came to the US, I did my MBA, I did my undergrad in computer science. And then at some point, I had the opportunity to kind of get involved with digital marketing. And I instantly realized that this thing that I had experienced when I was a younger person is solvable. And that became my quest is to, I'm going to explore this pre-sales data for as long as I can. Nice. And uh, now, I think this is an interesting uh, uh, way of working. So you just pick one page uh, for your clients and say, okay, we're uh, going to improve that one by, by 20%. Um, and, and 20% in sales, right? So just uh, the, the order, the amount of uh, orders. So um, is, is there a, is a, a set process for this? Is it different for each client? How does it work? It's, the, it's pretty much the same set process. It's, you know, I think it's important to kind of take a step back and just talk about how, why we are focused on just one page. And this is not something that we started off with. We've been doing this for 12 years, and it's only in the last two years that we've really become vocal about that we will only work on one page. Historically, as an agency, we did what every agency does, which is we want to be as useful to clients and do as much as we can for them. What we realized was that clients, marketing is a universe in itself. There are 20,000 marketing challenges that clients are struggling with every day. And they would naturally say, 
can you guys look at this? Can you look at our landing page? Our checkout flow suddenly seems to not perform well. Can you look into that? And what we found was that we were getting pulled into all of these directions, even though in our heart of hearts, we knew where the opportunity was. And for us, the way we look at it is that we are only putting, in very simple terms, we put in no more than one hour per day per client. We have, you know, 15 clients. So we can't obviously do a lot of hours per client. So we we are very focused on just that one or two hours that we get. And my goal was to be as hyper-efficient as I could be. So when I kind of asked myself, where would we have the biggest impact? The simple answer was, we should focus on the product that drives the biggest proportion of their sales. Now, maybe it's a statistical anomaly, but for all of the customers that I have worked for in the last 12 years, their bestseller always contributes at least 30% of their overall sales. Now, I don't know why that happens. And maybe, like I said, I'm not sure why that breaks out, but I think there are lots of economic laws that talk about that distribution. It kind of makes sense that your bestseller will be a pretty significant part of your sales. Now, if this one product is driving 30, and by the way, 30% is a conservative number for many of my customers, their bestseller is doing 50, 60% of their total sales. They don't have a long tail distribution of products. Anyway, they're, these are direct to consumer brands that are in the consumer product space. They probably have five or six products and their bestseller is what drives the bulk of their sales. So my strategy was that, okay, well, if I'm only going to do one or two hours per client, might as well just focus my energy on that one product where a 20% lift would have the biggest impact. And the thing I love about product pages, and this is the thing that most marketers don't pay enough attention to, is that something magical happens when a user comes to your product page. When they come to your product page, they are effectively communicating to us that they have seen everything you have to order offer, and this product right here is the thing that they're most interested in. So as a marketer, my job is cut out for me. See, on the homepage, I have a real conundrum, which is, what am I focusing on? Because, you know, the, the person coming to the homepage might be navigating to wherever. If someone's on the checkout flow also, I don't know what product they're buying. So the story I'm telling will have to adjust based on the product they're buying. But on the product page, I know exactly what their attention is on. Therefore, I can make a watertight sales pitch to close the sale and address all of their concerns. And that's kind of how we got to the product page um, for bestseller, you know, how we got to the bestseller product page. Nice. And to be clear, you're you're uh, focusing on a single product, right? So you're not, you're not even uh, looking to optimize, like say uh, the, the generic product uh, detail page or the category page or the home page. This is a specific uh, product that you're optimizing for. And, and to, 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 to expand on that madness, not only do we just focus on one product page, we don't touch the design of the product page. We don't touch the organization or the layout of it. We are only working with the product description. That's it. Yeah. And it's also a pro always a product, right? So you wouldn't necessarily focus on the basket page or the checkout. No, I would not touch that. Yeah. So, uh, and when you say you only focus on the description, then uh, do you focus on, uh, or do you change like images, like product names? descriptions, uh, those kinds of things? Or? Pricing. I don't touch pricing. I don't touch images. I don't add videos. I don't remove videos. I don't change the design or the layout. I just <laughs> do one thing. But only the description? Only the description. So th that basically means that descriptions are, are uh, really bad usually? Or uh, uh, does it is it basically, uh, in your experience then, uh, is that the, 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 the basically the main part of that page? Is, that's the description. It's the highest impact uh, on, on the buyer's uh, decision uh, for buying this product or not. 
you know this is this is one of the very interesting trends that i've noticed over the last 3 or 4 years is that product descriptions are becoming shorter and shorter and the re- when i talk to marketers about it their their reasoning is beautiful they say that what they found is that buyers especially millennials or even just even consumers in general don't like reading a lot of copy so their thesis their wonderful thesis is that because people don't like reading copy let's keep on reducing the copy as much as possible this is the exact wrong conclusion to draw when people say that they don't read copy what they are really saying is that they don't read crappy copy but if the copy is really good they will read it and the other aspect of it is that if if my consumer if i'm selling a room air purifier that costs $700 and i do a survey for my customers and my customers say we don't like reading copy of course they don't like reading copy that does not mean that i can try to sell a $700 purifier in less than 3 sentences i don't care what the consumer wants i'm going to have to tell them a compelling story irrespective of their opinion and then let the data tell me if that's improving conversion rates or not yeah. not their opinion yeah i, I clearly uh, remember uh, um doing a, a user research on a product um where customers um they 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 commented on the on the description saying okay but this is just a generic description it could have just been for for any other product on your website it's it's very generic um and uh, we actually did an ab test afterwards r- just removing all the descriptions the, all the product descriptions of the uh, from the website uh, and, co- and conversions actually went up um now oh. to be to be, to be clear our um, our advice was not to just remove all the product descriptions from the website our, our point was the current product descriptions are not selling the product uh so we need to invest uh invest uh, much more in this um to to actually sell the product with our product description that we have that that is right that's right yeah so you say okay we we take 90 days and in uh, 90 days uh we basically uh increase your your sales of this product by 20% does it mean that always after 90 days uh your your relationship with that client ends or do you move to a different product or how does that work Or do, or we do don't you... move to a different product. We we stick our we continue focusing on that bestseller product, but yeah. we then do another 90 day cycle with them. Okay, so that that basically means that uh, if if you do that often, so after a year, you've doubled the number of orders, right? If if you continue right. with the <laughs> with the twenty percent. So how do you how do you go about? <laughs> I find this very fascinating. Just just focusing on on uh, on one aspect of the of the website. It also feels feels both limiting and liberating at the same time <laughs> um so how do you how do you go about finding out what's wrong with the product description what you what you need to optimize for do you do you do user research or how do you start figuring that out that's a really good question i'm going to give a very controversial response and i'm i'm going to get a lot of flack for this i do not believe in research at all i don't do research um i so so let me just let me clarify <laughs> let me clarify Let me clarify a little bit. Um, so the 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 basic the basic thesis that we have, and this is based on, of course, this is based on years and years of A/B testing. We didn't we didn't start focusing on product pages uh, because we wanted to focus on product pages. We did it because that's where the where the opportunity was. That's where we were yeah. seeing the biggest impact in conversion rates. And the reason, and we didn't start focusing on the product description on the product page. for the sake of it we 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 tested layout we tested product images we tested adding videos removing videos what we found was that 
we were able to have significant impact by simply reframing the product story. And and so I want to talk a little bit about what I what I what our process is because you know just to simply say that we work on product description is somewhat is is very vapid. I want to get a little deeper than that. Our belief at a very fundamental level is that when the user this is the another very interesting quirk about how shoppers behave and this is something I've seen play out on at least two hundred e-commerce websites is that. When we look at user recordings, we find that shoppers navigate very, very fast uh, when they first land on a website. And as they go from the homepage, the category page, to the search, to the product page, once they come to the product page, they come to a grinding halt. And we see this pattern play out over and over again. And the reason for it is very simple. Once the user comes to the product page, they know that the next step is for them to pull out their credit card. So there is a real, there is a real cost of moving forward. Um, but before that, there is no cost. There is no cost moving from the landing page to the category page, going back to the home page, doing a search. It's all free. So they move very, very fast. And one of the mistakes that clients make, and one of the mistakes that businesses make, is that they have this very elaborate funnel, and in each step of the funnel, they're telling a part of their story. And what I find from recordings is that all of those elements are being completely ignored by buyers. So on the home page, if you have a video that says, "This is why we are the greatest company in the world." Only ten percent, or maybe even less than ten percent, of people will actually click the video. So ninety percent of people have ignored it because when people first come to a website, they are looking for a signal and a confirmation that they have found the product that solves their needs. They don't really care about the company. They don't really care about anything else except that do you have the goods I'm looking for? That is why going to the product page happens so rapidly. Now the thing is that because the marketer has placed this amazing video on the home page. They don't want to repeat the video on the product page because they're like it. It people will think it's stupid. And my point is, and this is again a controversial idea, is that my point is that for someone who is looking to buy a very specific product on your website, your entire website is one product page. For this buyer, that's your entire website. It's not your homepage. They're not seeing anything else. So you better make sure that all your most amazing, sexy assets are on that product page. So that's kind of like how we came to this whole conclusion of focusing on on bringing everything to the to the product page. If that makes sense. Yesterday's brainstorm was so good. I really liked Steph's idea of running that test on the call to action buttons. Making them orange will really make them stand out, don't you think? Yeah, right. Do you want to design real A/B test winners and achieve enormous conversion uplift? Then stop brainstorming and take a scientific approach. If you can read Dutch, follow the steps in Online Influence, the bestseller on managementbook.nl. Or enroll in the author's course and become an expert in applying proven behavioral science yourself. Go to onlineinfluence.com for more information and free downloads. Yeah, but then, but then again, how do you come up with ideas on, on how to improve them? So that then brings up a really good question as to what the heck are we focused on in the product description and that kind of gets into our core philosophy the thing that we've been meditating on for the last 12 years so our basic belief is that behind every product and this is again going to be very controversial behind every product is an a product story so when i look at dyson for example to me dyson even though they are a billion multi billion dollar company that makes vacuum cleaners and a whole line of products The thing that the product story that that I remember about Dyson, the one that they have so expertly crafted, 
is their founder's origin story where he said that I I wanted products to just work properly. That was to me like the principal piece of their product story. And every product, Apple has their own product story as well. So I believe that every product has a product story and that product story has two components to it. And again, part one of that story is why we exist. The why we exist story is what connects the buyer with the journey that you've had so far. Your origin story essentially is what you're talking about in why we exist. The second part of your story is why this product must exist. So for example, I need to first care about you as a person. Once I care about you as a person, I want I now trust you enough to, to kind of look at what you have to offer me. And now you have to make a compelling sales pitch and convince to me, convince me that this product that I'm looking for is the best in the world for me, based on my criteria, based on my price points, based on my specifications, you have to convince me it's the best in the world for me. So that's why that question of why this product must exist becomes really fundamental. So to us, when we start working with a client, we first break it up into the, to do those two stories. So there, our product story essentially has two components. Um, it, almost if you think about like a Bible kind of thing, you know, it's like the, the, the Old Testament, the New Testament kind of thing. So why we exist, why this product must exist. And then within that, this is where our, our, this is where our persuasion technique comes in. We start applying something called product story angles. So product story angles are essentially sales hooks. So if I'm buying a vacuum cleaner, what, you know, consumers, it's not, products aren't based on like one central sales, sales pitch. They are based on these micro pitches. And essentially we're getting users to give, give micro agreements to us. So micro yeses. And each of those product story angles are, um, are designed to get to connect with their buyer psychology and get to get to those micro yeses. Think of it like a hurdle race where we have to go through 12 yeses before the user is saying, okay, I'm ready to buy. So the question is, how do we know what those yeses are? So we have to make creative guesses about those. Then we have to test them and validate them to see if those yeses are the yeses that people care about. So the next step is to identify these product story angles. These are essentially our sales hooks. So if you're if you are selling a vacuum cleaner, one of the angles that would be relevant to the buyer is that here's what we know, right? We know that any 99% of people who are buying a vacuum cleaner already probably have a vacuum cleaner at home. They're buying a new one because their old one wasn't good enough for whatever reason. So one of the angles that we would use is we would talk about how crappy the vacuum cleaner is that you probably have right now. Because that is some that is the truth for them. That is true. If their vacuum cleaner was incredible, they, they would they not be, be there. <laughs> that's right. That's right. So one of the angles that we have is we're confirming to them their own biases. And if their bias is that my vacuum cleaner kind of sucks, then we want to subconsciously connect with that. So that would be an example of an angle. There, there are 10,000 angles that one can develop. But once we've crafted those angles, so First thing we did was we broke the story into two parts, why we exist, why this product must exist. Then we divided the story into these product story angles. The third piece is product story shaping. Now we are shaping this story in a way that connects with their buyer psychology. And we have a very specific process for shaping it. We're shaping it based on nine dimensions of buyer psychology. So anyway, at this point, I'll stop talking and you can explore what you think is most relevant. <laughs> 
I find it, I find it all very, very fascinating. But, but again, so, so basically you, you have this, uh, basically a, a big list of all the product angles you could go through and then you, you can, um, uh, of, of course you can validate, the, uh, those, how do you do Is Is it purely uh, a B test validation or is it also like a offline validation with user research or something, or uh, it's purely, I don't, online? I don't believe, I don't believe in user research. No, it's all validated <laughs> through A-B testing. But it's also user research if you do A-B testing, right? Sure. I mean, it's the ultimate user research. Yeah. <laughs> Ultimate, ultimate user research uh, by doing it uh, uh, with the actual users. For me, for me, the only user research worth doing is research that involves the consumer pulling out their credit card. <laughs> yes, and, and those are the, the, the most interesting ones for the business. So, fair enough. Fair enough. So, what are, are there? Are there specific trends that you see? Are there are there certain text, tactics that you see? Oh, this is always working. Uh, maybe not at at one hundred percent, but uh, at maybe at certain verticals or certain types of products, like more expensive products or certain uh, or cheaper products that that always seem to work. Did, did you learn some tactics over the years by doing this? That's a really good question. I actually was just thinking about that this morning in terms of would this strategy change if the price point was lower uh, for the product, if it was a lower consideration item. Mm -hmm. um, I think, I think, um, I think there's some, I think there's some truth to that. I would say there are certain categories of client products where our approach does not work. So number one is that if they don't have a clear bestseller, then, then obviously it doesn't work anyway, because we are so expensive and we are focused on that one page that if you have 50 different products and they're all contributing like four or 5% of sales, then, then, you know, then, um, then it, then our, then, then it's not effective, but yeah. it's also not effective for highly visual products. So for example, if you're selling jewelry, um, or if you're selling fashion clothing, yeah. really, there is no need for a story there because a lot, 90% of people are buying it because of the aesthetics of how it looks like, uh, they don't necessarily, I mean, there is some room for influence by around your story for sure, but it's very limited. So I would say in that case, also our approach would not be as effective. Yeah. I would say that our effect, our approach is custom designed for technical products. If you are selling an electronic product uh, or some kind of a technical product in the consumer, consumer goods space, then this approach works really well because you're really essentially, people are buying it for technical reasons versus purely aesthetic reasons. Yeah. I can imagine that it also works for... Um... I don't know, maybe certain food items, not 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 necessarily uh, things you buy in the supermarket, but specialized food uh, for or uh, some some health supplements. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where uh, obviously every everything is in the same uh, same <laughs> has the same packaging, so that the packaging is not interesting at all. But it's interesting um, uh, why the company built this, uh, what the product means, uh, and 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 uh, what it can uh, how it can add value. So. Do you also see are there certain trends you can you can spot in uh, not necessarily the messaging itself but um, the buildup of a page? I can imagine that uh, many users uh, th the first thing you want to know is this is this pro product relevant for me? And the next step is uh, okay, who's behind this? <laughs> I, I want to know why why they built this. Is this is this still? Uh, I mean, I, I know it's it's uh, the product is a fit for me. Uh, but I don't know. Are, are they uh, making this uh, product in a sustainable way, for example? If that's uh, if that's important. 
that's more more of a secondary. So is there, is there some kind of layer that you can see on the on the product page? That's a really good that's a really good question. And I, this is this now you're getting me quite excited because I'm going to talk to you about something that we've invented. Um, and when I say invented, I mean it's a process we've been using, and we realize that this has not been used by e-commerce retailers ever. So I hope to share it with you um, because this will address that question you brought up because it's a very interesting question. Your question is that, you know, how do we, you know, is there a hierarchy of decisions that we are making in terms of deciding what what to emphasize for what user? Because one yeah. of the fundamental truths is that the way you shop is different than how I shop. And the way you shop on your phone is also different than how I shop on my desktop. And so there are all of these different segmentations for how people behave. And we had, we, I'm also the world's laziest marketer. So when I was confronted with this problem of deciding how to craft messaging based on all these personas, I said, I need to find a shortcut for it. So I'll give you one beautiful case study for one of our clients called Oransi, and they make room air purifiers. And this will very beautifully illustrate to you a technique that we've invented. So they are selling a product that costs hundreds of dollars. It's a tech, it's a purely technical product. It, in fact, there is no more technical consumer product that's out there. And it's doing something that consumers can't even that validate because it's essentially taking air in your room. It's apply, it's running them through filters. It's improving the, the air quality. And it's making you, you know, it's, it's giving you better air quality. And what we realized was that there are two types of buyers who are coming to this page. Now, there are many other types as well, but there were two that we focused on. There are people that are, that are methodical shoppers that say, listen, I, am, I consider myself to be a, a well-educated consumer. I want to really understand all the, all the technical bells and whistles that are involved in air purification. I understand what a HEPA filter does. I understand what all these air, air quality ratings mean. I just want you to show me your studies so I can make my own informed decision. But we also noticed that there was another group of people that didn't really care about these details, but definitely wanted to know that a super expert was taking care of them. So they didn't want to just buy a product and they didn't want to go through the headache of figuring out all those technical details, but they wanted to certainly make sure that the, they were, the retailer was, had done all the homework for them. Yeah. And so when we started thinking about, because you bring up a very valid point, if you have these two different groups, what does the product page talk about? Because who are we addressing? And so what we did was, and it was, and this is a beautiful test. Um, so what we did was we had a basic, at the in the product description, we had a basic description for what the product is. And then below that, we asked a question, how much time do you have today? And there were two buttons, two minutes, and I have time. And the reason we segmented them out in this very specific way was we felt that people who are looking just to be convinced enough so they can they don't want to make the wrong choice they would probably say i have 2 minutes and for people who are very methodical they will of course want to say i have time when you clicked on the button for i have time we gave you we threw everything at you all the technical details <laughs> the whole page was like full of that crap and then for people that selected that i have 2 minutes we gave them just we basically focused on giving them the elevator pitch and every sentence we we reinforce the fact that we've done the homework for you. We've, we've been testing this. We test this every day. We're always validating, blah, blah, blah. And what we noticed was there was a 30% improvement in the sales of this bestseller by simply giving those two paths to those people. So to answer your question, 
my view is that if we can come up with a mechanism to allow people to self-segment themselves and then personalize that story based on what they care about, then that is the most effective way of massively improving conversion rates. And we call this technique active participation. So for all of our clients now, when you are reading the product description, you will notice that there are these little buttons that we add. Sometimes it's buttons, sometimes it's links. And when you click on them, we're constantly encouraging people to participate with us. That's why we call it active participation. Yeah. One of the biggest mistakes that I think marketers make, and I find it, it's amazing in 2021, we still have the same problem, which is when you go to a website and you go to a product page, it is that exact same story for everyone, whether it's morning, night, whether it's holidays, not holidays. Why is it the same story? If different people behave differently, why not allow them to say what they care about and then personalize the story. It's like a cheat code, right? If, if I know what Guido cares about and I'm showing him a story that is completely personalized for him, then the probability of conversion has to go up. I mean, so, so we use active participation as a way to kind of essentially get the user to tell us what they care about so we can show them a story that perfectly yeah. matches up with their worldview. But, but then, of course, you, you still need to figure out what do you need to personalize on? <laughs> of course. Yes. So we, we can, I mean, we, that's our, that's our burden as marketers. We have to be massively empathetic about what buyers care about. And that's where our experience yeah. must come in. But once you tell me, for example, that you care about certain dimensions, then I should be able to craft a story at least reasonably that at least talks about them in a meaningful way. Will this work? Hmm. Maybe not. Isn't that what we're all trying to figure out? With VWO, create and A-B test different variations of your website to continuously discover the best performing versions that improve conversions. Stop guessing. Start A-B testing with VWO today. Yeah, fair enough. And um, so you you always focus this on, on, on their bestseller product. Um, and then you do this for, for three months. After those three months, you move maybe to the se- to the second uh, uh, best product. Nope. <laughs> no, we stick with the we, once you once you find the love of your life. Why would you want to move to the second best? Um, well, maybe the 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 percentage that you can increase there is is larger than you can increase uh, uh, with with the first. Maybe maybe there's there's some kind of maximum that you can improve on on the bestseller product, right? I think I think that's that's a valid point. I mean, in theory, what you're saying is correct. We don't really see this play out. We think that there's massive improvement potential. That um, that so for example, one of the techniques that we use also for the bestseller page is that this is another thing that marketers don't realize is that there are two types of buyers who are on your product page right now. There are people that are ready to buy today, and then there are people that are not ready to buy today because it's not because the story wasn't complete. It's just that when I'm doing research, for example, if I'm looking for a project management software and I go to monday.com today and I spend 20 minutes on monday.com, no matter what monday.com says, I will not buy today because I'm I'm buying for this, I'm preparing for the future. And so this is this, this is the truth. This is true for like one of our clients, for example, sells dog wheelchairs. This is a very highly considered purchase. Nobody's just buying a dog wheelchair for the sake of it. They are doing lots and lots of research. Um, and it's not even about the price point. It's really about them. They might Their dog might have a hind leg issue and they might say, hey, I need to find a solution for it. 
but the dog might be somewhat fine. It might take them six months to ultimately realize that okay, I need to buy a wheelchair for my yeah. dog. Okay, but, no. but let's take the example of the of the dog wheelchair. The client knows that they need a dog wheelchair, but they're not necessarily um, uh, familiar with all the all the different options, and they don't know yet which dog wheelchair is is the best match for them. And that might be the biggest problem of that website. Uh, how, how would you go about doing that? Because then you, you would still just apply all these things to, to just what happens to be their bestseller. Uh, or can you apply this to, to all of their, their products? I mean, we, we always tell clients that anything that we've learned by optimizing your bestseller, feel free to steal them and apply yeah. them to all your product yeah. pages. But it's, it's not something that we test, we test for. Okay. We just focus on that one bestseller page. Um, and Fair so, enough. I mean, it's a, I'm, I'm not going to stop clients from doing what's right for their business because sometimes clients will say to us that it is very frustrating that you guys are just focused on one page. I have 10 other products and we are already <laughs> learning about what's working. Yeah. Why isn't this being applied to my other product pages? And I always tell them, Feel free to take those ideas and apply them, yeah. but I'm not going to A/B test them for you. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, if, if you already build them, uh, you, you can just as easily run an A/B test uh, on the other pages as well, right? And, and, they, and they already own the intellectual property, so it's theirs to use. It's just not something that I'm excited about. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, you, you, you just spoke about uh, uh, segmentation, personalization. Is it usually limited uh, to like two groups, two roughly two groups of people, or would, uh, do you often also see like three, four? five different kinds of buyers on my page? That's a be beautiful question. So we segmented we segmented based on certain personality profiles. So one of the dimensions that we focus on is time dimension. So I talked about two minutes and yeah. have more than two minutes. Yeah. We also focus on new to category dimension. So I'll give you an example. So for example, if someone is, if we are working with a client that sells a room air purifier, mm -hmm. We are really, if you really think about it, you see, what, one of the techniques that I use is I, I'm trying to take the sales technique that would happen in a retail store and apply it on, on the website. Imagine if you walked up to Best Buy and you walked up to a sales associate and you said, I'm looking to buy a room air purifier. The first question that the user would ask you is, have you ever bought one before? Are you new to room air purifiers? Because if you say that I already have a room air purifier and I'm looking to upgrade, that's a very different story than yeah. someone who says, you know what, I've never bought an air purifier. Yeah. So we ask the question about, are you new to this category? Have you ever bought this type of product before? And if someone says no, then we are telling them a slightly different story than someone who says, yes, I have. Um, so that's another segmentation. Another segmentation that we use a lot about, uh, we use extensively is, are you looking to buy today? So that's a really important segmentation for us. So what we do is, if someone says no, by the way, we don't ask these questions. We don't use any. Um, we don't use a tool like Hotjar to ask these questions. The way we do it is we inject that copy into the product description itself. So it's very seamless. With Hotjar, there's a little pop-up that appears that says, "Can we ask you some questions?" That's a. Uh, to me, it's a very interruptive way of kind of asking people. First of all, how do you trigger it? You can't trigger it. You can trigger it when people come to the page, and you can trigger it when people are leaving the page. But I want to trigger it when the person is on paragraph number two. How do I do that? So you can't do that. So we actually embed it in paragraph two itself where we say, hey, got a quick question for you. When you click on it, we simply ask, are you, and we do it in a very subtle way because if we if we ask it in a very obvious way, people will not respond appropriately. We're asking them just like, are you researching right now or are you looking to buy? And if someone says I'm looking to buy, 
then we treat them very differently than if someone says, I'm here to research. If someone says they're here to research, we know for a fact that they will not buy today. 100%. There is a 0% chance that they will buy today. Now, the risk is that once they leave the website, we are completely dependent on them to keep us in top of mind and to come back to the, to the website after a week or two. And to me, that's a very risky proposition. They've already spent three minutes reading my product description. They're engaged. I'm convinced that they're engaged. So what we do is we come up with a mechanism to earn their permission to share something to, with them through email. Um, so we don't do it gimmicky. We're not trying to say we'll give you a discount coupon, but we'll say something like, there are three really important details when it comes to buying a room air purifier that we'd like to share with you through email. And then when the person gives us permission to send us, send us the email, we actually put them in a completely separate mailing list because we know that these are people that were interested in the product, but, but were not ready to buy today. And what we do is we take that sales pitch that we had on the product page for that bestseller and we communicate it to them through email. So essentially, we've taken the product page and we're now bringing that product page to their inbox for that one product. We don't cross-promote anything else. We don't give them discounts. We're simply reiterating that product page based on the buying cycle for the client. So if the client says that my buying cycle is two weeks, we spread our emails across those two weeks. If yeah. they say it's three weeks, then we change that as well. Um, and then we have a feedback loop built in where after every email, we actually ask them this question, did this email address your questions? And if they say no, then that's a real strong signal to us that they care about this detail, but it's not answering their questions. And we will typically connect them with customer service because we know that they're a hot lead and maybe we, you know, our copywriting sucks and we need to have a human being address them. But if they say, if they say yes, then it's a reinforcement to us that our product story is, is working. So that's kind of our approach. Yeah, and basically you, you change your goals for that session, right? So, uh, in, instead of selling something, you change the goal to, okay, uh, let's maybe <laughs> just remove that pro that buy now button, uh, but uh, give them a subscribe button instead. Right. Yeah, nice. What would your advice be for, for CRO professionals that are selling their services? You've been doing this for, for a while now. What would, what would your advice uh, be to them in, uh, in, in working with, with clients? I mean, I would, I would tell them to literally do what we're doing. Because what I find is that most CRO professionals are really focused. We, we, we have, a, we have a, a love relationship with doing site-wide testing. Like anything that can be tested site-wide, we love it. Because we, we only care about sample sizes. And I actually care less about sample sizes and I care more about efficacy. If I can, you know, what, there are two ways to get a statistical winner. There are many ways, but two principal ways. One is to have massive sample sizes. That's a good way of doing it. But the other one is to have a huge contrast between the control and the variation. Yeah. And so instead of focusing completely on just site-wide testing and just optimizing for sample size problems, I would say that focus on creating a bigger contrast. And so when we write copy on the product page, it is such a contrast in the control that even with much, much smaller sample sizes, we're able to get statistical winners. So I would say focus on appro that approach as well. And CRO professionals do not like copywriting. We like to change design. We like to add widgets. We like to, we like to kind of, you know, change layout, but we don't do copywriting. And I would say focus on copywriting. Yeah. Yeah, and of course, and it also helps, of course, if uh, if the conversion rate, your, your baseline is already high, which of course, by definition, it is if, if you focus on uh, the best-selling products. Yeah. Right. So you, you've been doing this for, for uh, a while now. Um, if, if you look at this, uh, the upcoming year, um, 
are there any tweaks you see uh, in, in your methodology uh, coming up? What, what are you working on to improve this even further? I think one of the dimensions that we have still not, the one of the dimensions that we are working on is creating a philosophy for mobile versus desktop product page optimization for the bestseller. What we typically find is that the conversion rate the test outcomes are different for those two variations and those two plat those two mediums. And I think there's a lot more work that we can do for mobile optimization. Right now, we are so focused on like, you know, because the, typically for our clients, the desktop still drives more than 50% of sales. We're really focused on desktop, um, especially for higher ticket items. I think there's a big opportunity for us to do massive amounts of optimization for their mobile bestseller page as well. So that's something we'll be focused on in 2021. Nice. And um, uh, if you have any um, uh, requests for uh, uh, for future Shiro Cafe um, uh, participants, who should I invite <laughs> to this to this show? Um, so I know you've I know you've spoken to Samantha. I think he's yes. how we got connected. If, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Um, yeah, I would say that you know there are there is there is one copywriter in in particular that I'm I'm a big fan of, and um, if if um, and um, if you want, I can off after this call, I can um, send you her information. You can look yeah. at her LinkedIn, and if you think that she's a good fit, she comes from a traditional copywriting world, and I really feel that the CRO world needs more copywriting influence. Um, because I think it's a huge opportunity that's being that's not being used as effectively. So I, I can send you her name, and then if you think she's a good fit, I can make the intro. Cool. By the way, uh, uh, more as a side note, and something I would like to uh, to add to the show notes. Do you can you uh, share a link with me uh, for one of the products that you that you've optimized with with, with these uh, buttons or the uh, small? I think it would be nice for our, our audience to to click through to a page that you optimized to see see what's actually happening uh, there. Absolutely. Yeah, I can I mean I can link I can link you to the 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 live page yeah. or I can link you to the case study where we actually talked about the where we talk about the lift that we got. B both are fine. Yeah, sure. We'll, uh, and I'll also that, uh, just bring to my general case studies page as well because we have lots of case studies. Yeah, perfect. We'll add that uh, to the to the showcases uh, to the showcase of the of the podcast. Perfect, Rishi. Thank you so much. Our time is already up. Uh, thank you so much for sharing this uh, this uh, way of working with us. And I think, um, well, I mean that's zero, right? We all have a lot of uh, things to learn still. And uh, I think it's an interesting approach to just focus on uh, on the bestsellers and just focus on the copy. Like I said, it 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 feels both limited, uh, limiting, and uh, liberating at the same <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's yeah, it's 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 it's, it's really it's. I don't know how we kind of got to this point. It was never my goal, but when I got here, you know, it's like I feel so much clarity about what we're doing yeah. that I've never felt this much clarity about anything professionally in my life. So I think for me, that's how I'm kind of, you know, I told you, I don't believe in research. So I really believe in using instincts. Um, and so for me, my instinct is telling me that this is the right approach. 95% of online stores will never hire us because they don't have that. They, 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 they will find it very limiting for someone to focus on one page. But I, I, before I end, I should tell you one quick story. I, I have worked with a client where their one product page, their bestseller, was doing 100 million in sales a year. So I think this is massively valuable if you have, like if basically the question, the, the litmus test is, how happy would you be with a 20% lift? And then the answer is that 
for the best seller. If the answer is, yeah. eh, it's okay, definitely don't hire me. Yeah. But if the answer is that will change my business, then 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 we can have a conversation. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's that's uh, I think a, a nice uh, test in the, indeed for for new clients in, in, in the type of approach that you can uh, take with it. Nice. Thank you so much, and hope to talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye bye. And this concludes season three, episode 13 of the Shiro Cafe podcast with Rishi Rawats. Make sure to check out the show notes on the Shiro Cafe website for links to some additional information on today's topic. In the next episode, I'll be talking to Eden Bidani and we're going to talk about copywriting. Talk to you then and always be optimizing.